Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time. Your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for us. From the ultimate girl bomb grip to the professional grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girl Bomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at Walgreens. Hi, I'm Frank Imperial, the engineer at Here's the Thing. We're in the middle of our summer staff pick series, where we choose our favorite episodes from the archives. This week, I wanted to share with you two interviews that are among the most popular and funniest we've ever done. Comedians Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld. Chris Rock has always been a boundary-pushing comedian. The Emmy and Grammy winner is well known for his work on Saturday Night Live, his numerous comedy specials, films like Grown Ups and Madagascar, and the sitcom based on his life, Everybody Loves Chris. In recent years, the funny man has been pushing his own boundaries, digging deeper into his acting. He starred in the fourth season of Fargo on FX. But before that, Alec met up with the comedian when he was on Broadway in his very first play. Here's Alec's 2011 conversation with comedian and actor Chris Rock backstage at the Schoenfeld Theater. His dressing room in Broadway's Schoenfeld Theater was five floors up, no elevator. Chris's show, The Motherfucker with the Hat, was about a group of dysfunctional friends and lovers where every relationship had gone bad, really bad. Drugs, booze, cheating. No one was loyal to anyone. Chris played a recovering alcoholic who at first glance seems to be a good guy. But after a few minutes, it was clear he was the most self-serving of the bunch. Come on, man, you're doing great, man. You're on the precipice of something beautiful. Come and stay with me and Vicky, man. Get on a nutritional beverage program, man. Before this past spring, Chris might have been the last person you'd expect to see starring in a Broadway show. I mean, Chris can sell out Madison Square Garden. P.S. They have an elevator. Yet, there he was, between performances, in his attic dressing room at the Schoenfeld Theater. I wanted my acting to grow. You have, obviously, a huge following black and white in your concerts. And yet when you go out in this audience, how black is the audience? Well, I mean, put it this way. In the old days, they used to have signs up, whites only, whites only. Now they have a new thing. It's called prices. You know, some nights it's darker than other nights. I buy tickets every night. When this play is over, I will... You spend your weekly paycheck I on tickets for people? I will have spent 
almost a whole weekly paycheck on tickets. As gifts for friends. As gifts for Who otherwise friends. couldn't come see the show. Who otherwise could not afford to see the show. I tour, and I'm normally, you know, at the garden or whatever. I have like 60,000 seats to give away what I'm normally on tour, sure. and people have gotten used to this. My man takes care of us. Yeah. And, you know, I, don't, I can't take that away from <laughs> friends and family. You haven't done a lot of theater, correct? This is the first play I've ever done. I this is the first play you've ever done. I didn't do a play in high school. I didn't go to high school. So. Uh, so not only your Broadway debut, but your first play, period, you're with a pretty cool group of people. I'm an amazing. With a lot of experience. You know what? And they have held me up. No one ever got frustrated at what I didn't know. You know? Because yeah. this is a bunch of little things that people take for granted. I have no idea. Such that, as? You're never supposed to walk straight at somebody. You're supposed to loop. Just all these weird little things. Yeah, my favorite is that you don't give information to the person. So if you're standing here telling them something, you tell it out. You sit there and go, open, open, yes, open yes, to the yes, audience yes. as much as possible. All, all that open, 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 open stuff, yes. Even today I'm working on it. The Chris Rock that I know from your live shows, I don't see much of him in this show. Because that Chris Rock is like marauding the stage and has complete control over the audience. This is a different Chris I see in the play. I'm really trying to act here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Have you enjoyed it? I'm enjoying it a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. What was lot. the rehearsal like? The rehearsal was the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life. I always tell people it's like having the Empire State Building shoved up your ass one brick at a time. Yeah, and you... To learn the play. Can't believe there's ever gonna be a day when you know these lines. It. What's been the surprise about doing this for you? Honestly, I'm surprised I'm doing it. I mean, I'm surprised that I'm not bored with it already. Mm -hmm. Are you afraid of that? I'm really, that, that, what's the, that's the biggest fear, to actually be stuck doing anything. <laughs> Does this change for you night by night, day by day? You know what's weird? I'm figuring out how to make it change now. So I'm actually figuring out how to ad lib every night without saying words how to work each scene a little different and each line and try to find laughs in places that I didn't find one the night before. So I'm, it, yeah, so it's, it's, to answer your question, it changes every night. Well, what I love about this play, by the way, everybody has loved someone. And not too far into the relationship, you say to yourself, uh, not only is this probably wrong, this is uh, definitely wrong, but you can't get out of it. How does this play resonate with you in your personal life? I've been every person in this play. Ah! <laughs> There's you not have. a person the in betrayer, this play. The betrayer, the betrayed. Yeah. Everything. Everything, and it's the, the one who the other person in response to the betrayal. Yeah, yeah. The revenge the, I'm every person in every the person play. Every person in the play. It's the kind of play you can't watch without putting yourself in it. When you write your material for stand-up, how do the people in your life react to how you fillet them on stage, if you will? Uh, you know what? I'm like a lawyer, in a sense. I mean, it's, it's almost like a legal document. <laughs> it's all worded like it's you're all covered. our wives and all mm. our family. You yeah, know what I mean? It's covered. like, like if, you, if I gave you the transcript, you'd be like, he hasn't talked about anybody. Yeah, right. It would That's all, not you, baby. It would all hold up in court. Right. You're safe. <laughs> but, you know, but you never have anybody in your life... No, no, everybody's uncomfortable. I, I remember I read a quote Tarantino said, if people in your life aren't uncomfortable, you're not really writing. 
you're not really hitting it. You know, so somebody better be uncomfortable. Did you grow up in a situation that was remotely like this? In an emotionally, an emotionally uh, turbulent No, my parents, put it this way, my mother cursed a lot, screamed a lot. Yeah. You know, my father. My mother beat us with a curtain rod. Yeah, my, yeah we got beatings with curtain rods and brooms and brushes hangers. and hangers, whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, my father, it's weird. My father, his temper towards my mother was always controlled. Right. What else he could lose it? Yeah, why do you think that was? <laughs> he wanted to protect that. I don't know. I mean, first of all, I mean, guys from that era did not view women as their equals. They did. Right. And they were loving, loving and blah, 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 blah. But they did not view women as their equals. Therefore, they could actually deal with the woman's emotional whatever swings way easier than a guy my age, because I view a woman as my equal. Right. So if I'm with a woman and she starts crying, I look at her like I'm with you and you start crying. I say to women, <laughs> don't go female on me. I'm like, something. I look at her like I would look at a guy that gets emotional. Yeah, I thought if we were equal, then you can't play that card. Right. Don't play the female so card. So I'll just say my father and my grandfathers, both of them, were really delicate <laughs> with their wives. You know, not a child, but close to a child. How's it different for you? I, my wife's my equal. And, you know, you know, any butting of heads is because right. I, I want, I'm dealing with you the same way I would deal with myself or I deal with any guy. And we're both wrong. What are you going to do when this is over, do you know? I'm not sure. I think I'm going to direct a movie. That's what I'm feeling. So this is the time in your life when you do all the things you told yourself you'd never do. Play on Broadway, direct a movie. Yeah, yeah. Why me. do you want to direct a movie? I don't know. I, I mean, put it this way. If I can get a great director to direct me, I'll do it. But once, once you get you to wrote? the... you wrote? Yeah. Once, once you get to the C-list, you might as well do it yourself. That's what I say. Mm. Yeah. How picky are you about the films you do? Because you don't do a lot of films. Um, I don't know. I mean... I turn down a lot, but I don't have a list of great films I've turned down. Do you turn down, regardless of whether they're great or not, do you turn them down because for you, you always have the stand-up thing in your pocket and the concert thing in your pocket. You're not in any hurry to go out and make a living. Most movies suck, man. They really suck. See, I'm, I'm messed up because I like to see something I haven't seen or haven't seen with a black person. Black people in film is still at its, really at its infant stage. And... Why do you think that? I don't know. You know what? Here's the thing. You know, you hand a studio person a script. And sometimes the studio people are good. 99% of the time when you hand somebody a script, they pick a person in the movie that they identify with. So if you hand a woman a script, if the woman's got nine lines in the movie, the first person she gives you notes about is the woman. And if you hand the boss the script, he's going to give you notes about the main character. And if you hand his assistant the script, he's going to give you notes about some other. Everybody figures out who they are in the movie. Now, when you hand somebody a black script, they don't relate to anybody in the script. <laughs> <laughs> even, 
<laughs> that's a very good point. I'm, not, I'm serious. Even when it's and when you have an executive who does relate to a black person in the script, what does that mean to you? You struck gold. No, well, it's, I, it's never really gold? happened. They just uh, never. They're making a product all of a sudden. That's what I've experienced. And when you do because I mean, there's no black studios or whatever, so you end up you always end up with just a person trying to make a piece of product. They might as well be potato making, chips. They might as well be making an iPad. They're in the really. potato chip business as well. Yeah, they're kind of in the potato, potato chip business. Yeah. But you seem to me, because you're so smart and so clever, that you have as much of a white audience as you do a black audience. Don't you think so? Yeah, yeah. In spite of the fact your stand-up can be pretty tough on white people. Yeah, but I always say my stand-up's like Chinese food. And what's Chinese food? Well, Chinese food is one of the most popular foods in all of America. And they don't put American on their menus. Right. People really want Chinese food. Yeah. They don't put yeah. French fries yeah. and grilled cheese. Grilled cheese yeah. on the menu of <laughs> right. the most so you, popular so you're the Chinese food of people, black comedy. So I'm just saying, when people see when people come to Chris's restaurant, they want Chris's menu. I'm talking with Chris Rock backstage at the Schoenfeld Theater on 45th Street. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. How old are you now? <laughs> I'm 46. You're 46. 46, man. Which means... I'm 53. Dude, we're and you old. Started, and you started? I started probably five, six, seven years before I got on SNL. But I always say I haven't been, you know, I haven't been poor a day since I met Lauren Michaels. Right. I never Me been neither. broke. Yeah, a lot of his stuff sticks with me. One thing he said to me is like, everybody loses their first money. Yeah. Now, if you're talented, you'll make some I more. I can't believe he said that. You're so, you're so, he's so right. He knows more about, let's take a moment to talk about the wisdom of Lord Michaels. Oh, he does. Like he's uh, always there to remind you how you can lose perspective about yes. this business, or at least in my case, I can no, lose No, 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 he's very good. With but how much have things changed in your mind? And not just for you, but for you specifically, but in the business. I don't know about you. I find the business a lot smaller. Uh, in what way? Less movies, less... I mean... Less stuff that relates to me. Put this way. You know what? Less stuff that relates to me. Yeah. I'll say that. For the young people. You know, this whole reality thing. I'm not going to dismiss it. You know, sound like some old person talking about rap music. It's not going to last. <laughs> you know what I mean? But... But do you At think the same you, time, I don't get it. Do you think you'd make it today? Yeah. If you came in today? Yeah. Me and Sandler, we, that's our little test with each other. We kind of, we assess the stand-ups. And we go, yeah. You yeah, still got it. I still got it. Got to keep the weight off a little bit, you know. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> bon Jovi. Still doing it. Still doing it. Still doing it. Still doing it, man. Just look hot. Just try to look hot to somebody. You don't have to lie. You still got it. You still look. How many kids you have now? I got two. How old are they? Uh, nine. Get ready to be nine and get ready to be seven. So little. What are you worried about raising your kids in this world? I care that they're good with money. I don't even care if they're assholes. When I say good with money, I just mean you got $2 and you spend one and you put a dollar in the back. I don't mean that they run Microsoft or they mm -hmm. flip money and buy houses. I just mean... Does that come from your childhood? Be yes, it comes from my childhood. Same with me. I just mean... Can they handle their own money? That's it. 
because well, it's a tough hole to get out of. It t- it's a tough hole to get out ever. of, and it's a weird hole for a pretty woman to get out of. And they end up in relationships with guys they wouldn't have relationship with. There's a great line that Anthony Quinn has in Lawrence of Arabia where he says, I am a river to my people. It's yeah, I'm getting a lot of that now. You're, you're like that. Well, here's the thing. You can only help. Like, I got some family right now, guy, whatever, losing his house, whatever. I'm going to help him move into wherever he's going to move into. I'm not buying his house. Yeah. Because he's never going to be able to afford the house. Right. So, yeah, I, my, I'm a river, but... It's a little river. It's a little river. Because yeah. when you turn down somebody and they know you have the money... Yeah. There's one thing to go, these kids are kicking my ass or whatever, and you don't have the money. They know you have yeah. the money. Yeah. So, so it's, it's almost like a woman go. it's like, I know you have vagina and you have sex. You just don't want to have it yeah. with me. Right. <laughs> it's right. like. I remember I used to do a movie and they'd say to me in whatever way, what would come back was, uh, we don't have the money for that. And what they really were saying was, we don't have the money for that for you. For you. For you, we don't. We got it for Leo. Exactly. If Leo wants it. For Leo, we're going to sell our houses to get Leo to come. But for you, we don't have the money. We do not. And that's what you're saying to people in your life, is I don't have the money for you. I don't have the money for you. For you. You're not going to be the reason I'm doing some bad kung fu movie. Okay? Comedian and actor Chris Rock. When we come back, we'll have Alex's conversation with Jerry Seinfeld from 2013. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Can I give you a real incentive to lean into your decision to start working out and eating better? I'm Carl, co-founder of Body. That's B-O-D-I. And right now, if you sign up for a one-year subscription to Body, I want to make you an offer you can't refuse. I'll give you 65% off. Look, I know it's not easy to get fit and lose weight, especially if you're trying to figure it out by yourself. But we make it simple. Just follow a program for 20 to 30 minutes day by day and lose 5 to 10 pounds a month. We have over 120 programs that have been tested and proven to work, and almost 300,000 five-star reviews in the App Store to prove it. Body also has complete eating plans and thousands of healthy, delicious recipes. So stop guessing and start seeing results with Body, and I'll give you 65% off your annual membership right now so you save big on the app that CNN underscored named Best Fitness App. So don't wait. Sign up for a year of Body and save 65%. Just go to Body.com. That's Body with an I.com. Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. 
Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. It's an understatement to say that Jerry Seinfeld broke the mold. His brand of observational comedy is universal and led to his success as a stand-up comic and in his namesake sitcom. Seinfeld, the show about nothing, ran for nine seasons and became one of the most memorable, acclaimed, and influential series of all time. Following up one success with another, Seinfeld then produced and hosted the roving talk show Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, which is exactly what it sounds like for 11 seasons. And he continues to do what he loves, touring the nation, performing stand-up. Here's Alex's 2013 conversation with the legendary producer, actor, and comedian, Jerry Seinfeld. Who makes it in comedy? Who are the ones who, that make it? And it's a change in your lifetime. What does it take to make it? Who's in show business? Let's answer that question, because I'll, I'll tell you who's in show business. You know who's in show business, Alex? Who wants to be more than anyone else? Those are the people that are in it. The people that just go, I want to be in it. I'm going to be in it. Do I have the skill set? Do I have the talent? Do I have something to offer? We'll find out. Or not. <laughs> it doesn't, I may not. My take on that was when Pacino, I said to him, what do you do when you do a movie and the other person isn't that good? Like you're doing a scene. And I said, do you go up to the director and give them notes say, tell them this, tell them And Pacino said, no, nah, I never do that. I never do that. No, no, no. I said, I said, what do you do? I said, what do you do when the people that you're working with, they just, I mean, you're so talented. And it's like tennis, and you're, and, you're, and you're hitting the ball with someone, and they're not that talented. And he said, Alec, Alec, all of us in the business are talented. Everybody's talented. Some of us are just more talented than others. But everybody in the room when you're working, they've got some kind of talent. Like you'd say, he has a talent <laughs> for storytelling. He had a talent for this. But you're saying that people who, determination is a big part of it. I'm saying it's most of the people we see in in the arts are there not because they had the most to offer, but because they wanted to be there the most. Right. You believe, right. So when you're in clubs in your early years and you'd see people who were working, did you have an, did you, not, not that you cared about this or you were focused on this, but would you sometimes, because my friends who were in clubs and who were comics, there was a lot of evaluating of each other in the competition. It was very competitive. And would you look at people and say, I think he's got it or she's got it and they're going to make it and they don't or this one doesn't. Yeah. And, and a big part of your saying is just the drive. Uh-huh. They just, they want it. They're a dog on a bone. Yeah. <laughs> You see a lot of that, don't you think? I think so. Well, in the in the movie business, you can see people who they put it before everything else. You know what I mean? They're not. What bus- What what field of endeavor has the highest bullshit factor? Right. In your opinion, because um, you've uh, been in a number of different <laughs> branches now. <laughs> well, I think. Uh, well, obviously, uh, government is uh, government comes to mind higher first. than uh, I think entertainment. Higher. Did you enjoy the Anthony Weiner show? This season, the or, or not, the show well, that he, so, oh, that he so put that. on for us. <laughs> right. When when that was going on, did you were you disgusted? Were you going? I love this. I I loved it because to me it was the Visible Man. 
Let's ha- take off the face of the clock and watch the gears. And that's what that was. This is, you know, we're talking about people are in showbiz, showbiz because they want to be. He wants to have he power. Would. He just he wants does. it. He wants and it. And most of, most of them have all the guises and veils and, and you know, polish. Well, they pretend that what you just hit on a very important point, which is that they pretend to some degree. That it's selfless. I, I, that, well, they're also, yeah, that they, that they don't crave power. Right. But, but, but the other thing about Wiener that I found unusual. I, I mean, listen, this is, I'm not going to say anything. I don't think I'm capable of saying anything that hasn't been said before. But the idea that you want to take pictures of your genitalia mm-hmm. and send it to women that you barely know. I wonder if there's an unconscious part of him that's like, I'm going to send pictures of my genitalia mm-hmm. to a couple of women who I don't even know that well. And let's see what happens. Let's, <laughs> let's roll the dice here. I'm putting all my chips on black 29. I'm all in. I got another pile, and I'm all in on sending this chick a picture of my you-know-what, of my personality. <laughs> I don't have that desire. Right. I'm not, I'm not Yeah, sex is easier to understand than his get-off was ding. He looks at the phone, ding. That's it. Just press send. Where, where's the uh, thrill? Everybody has, a, has some component of them for what I call negative excitement. Like, what's your thing? you want to do, that, that you indulge some weakness of yours. You know what I mean? Right. Some people have food issues. They have drinking what issues. What would be drugs. mine? What would be yours? Uh, I don't think I have. I mean, beyond t- tomato sauce, maybe. Uh, tomato? Yeah. <laughs> that's your But weakness? that's not that. Ne- yeah. You are, and for people who don't know you, see, this is the thing that, that in all honesty, I, I always, when I think about you, the list of things I think about is is how not just professional and committed and all those other kind of lame or, you know, lazier words, but how, you know, just just focused and hardworking you are. Like a lot of people look at you and view you as someone who is, well, but let's be very candid. I mean, Please, a, speak, you're, you're someone, people, people view you as someone who is this incredibly gifted person. I love this show. Right. And no, you are. But the point is that you, like, you don't work. It's like like you, oh, you go really? do things like like you going on a on a trip to go do some gigs. It's kind of a thing. You're probably just doing a favor for someone. I think that's more you. I don't, you don't. think that's the general perception. You I don't. think that's you. You do. I think your image of me, or what you think. Yeah, I think that's your sense. Of I'm it. projecting. Yeah, I think you're projecting. Okay, but you know that that's not me. No, no, not at all. You know that I love to work. You, you're incredibly uh, so. But but not. Um, I'm not driven by anything. You're very healthy. Healthy. I'm not driven you're, by anything unwholesome. But you're healthier. But you are healthier than anybody else I've ever met in your profession. <laughs> Everybody else I've met in your profession, it, it was you could do Saturday Night Live and be roaming the hallways of that building. With yeah. Them for the over the course of you know, it's really more like four days, not a full week. And you're around them. Other people I did a sitcom with. Uh, other people I've been around a lot of people who make their living in comedy. I made films with them. Right. And some of them you'd be around them. You know, within ten minutes you understood what was really their deepest problem. Right. That they hadn't resolved. Right. Some of them it took a question of a few days. You don't have any problems. No, I don't. But I do relate very deeply to, to all of those people Why? you described. Why? In fact, I was watching the Emmys. Is the only part of the Emmys that I like when they do the comedy writing award and each comedy writing staff puts up funny pictures. And then when the, the actual staff comes up on the stage and you see these gnome-like cretins just kind of all misshapen and yeah. and I go, this is me. This is who I am. This is yeah. That's my group. That's my people. 
Yeah. Just a but room you full don't of Marty Feldmans. <laughs> yeah. Do you see that in me or no? No. no okay, well, no. then you've learned something here today. What did I learn? You learned that despite maybe I am healthy and somewhat functional, but I can I see myself as one of those guys. Do you really? That, 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 that group of Colbert Report writers that are just... It, it looks like Madagascar. We would never, we, we would never let them speak at the microphone. <laughs> no. Colbert must accept no, the award. Those, that's where I, I want to hang out with those guys. You do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Barry? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're more comfortable with the Barrys of the I'm world. only comfortable. Only comfortable only. with those people. Really? Yeah. Describe Barry. You have a special relationship Barry with Barry. Barry Martyr is my very special friend. Uh, Barry is the author of the Letters from a Nut book under the nom de plume Ted L. Nancy. And he is, um, he's also a fascinating com- uh, uh, a compilation of function and dysfunction, which any interesting person is. Um, he's a guy who's, what I love about Barry is I can call him right now, it's 1130, that he will just say hello. He's always there, always at home. He's got a, a red couch. His living room looks like a murder scene. This, you know, uh, very scary looking stains. On a white rug. Where does he a, live? He California? lives in Toluca Lake. It's in Toluca Lake. <laughs> and uh, we talk every day, usually an hour. On a good day, two hours. And um, we were like talking yesterday about Chantix, the uh, quit smoking drug commercial where they list the side effects. And one of the ones that, they, that people have experienced with Chantix is weird dreams. And now we're trying to figure out... Well, what's a weird dream? And do they have a hotline that you can call up and say, Bob, I got a guy here's, you know, woke up, he dreamt he had orangutan feet. Is that weird? Yeah. And he goes, no, I've had that one. You know, <laughs> that's, that's not weird. That's not weird. Who, who doesn't have weird dreams? I, 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 There's I, no I, dream. I, it's not weird. More of Alex's conversation with Jerry Seinfeld after the break. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. If you struggle to get in shape and lose weight, I'm about to change your life. I'm Carl, the CEO of Body, and I don't like working out and eating healthy either. So here's how I get myself to do it. I make myself own the morning. And by the morning, I mean the first hour or so every day. It's not family time. It's not for scrolling social media. It's for my results and my health. And man, does it work. Every day, I get out of bed, drink a health shake I made the night before, And then I go crush a workout in the body app and just follow along day by day. Before most people are even out of bed, I'm done for the day. So here's my offer to you. The next 500 people who go to body.com will get 65% off a full year of access to over 120 programs. 65% because I want you to start now and see how fast the pounds come off and the muscles start popping. And if they don't, Hey, you get your money back. Just go to body.com. That's B-O-D-I dot com. And let's own the morning together and get healthy and fit. 
Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. On the TV show Seinfeld, Jerry, Elaine, Kramer, and George were characters driven largely by unabashed self-interest. Come on, let's go do something. I don't want to just sit around here. Okay. Want to go get something to eat? Where do you want to go? I don't care. I'm not hungry. Growing up, Jerry Seinfeld's own family life served as a useful model of just that. Look, my mother's an orphan. My father left the house probably 11 years old. Uh, to work on the street and, and make a living on the Lower East Side. You know, they got married in their 40s. They had no concept of a, what a family should even be. And all I craved was the same fierce independence that they had in their lives. They, they passed were in, it on to you. Indestructible. Indestructible, self-contained, self-reliant people. This is not great going into a marriage, may I say. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was that guy saying, well, I got to go now. I got to go to work. And you don't think that this might be a problem for a person that's not used to being around that. So it took me a long time to learn that, you know, that you have to be understand. Because to me, to me, this life, my life, uh, uh, what I would call my life in comedy is a life of sacrifice that I'm only too happy to make. All my relationships, I got married at 45, all my relationships were as disposable as a Dixie cup. Excuse me. With, I, with I, women, you mean? Yes. I, I've got to work. You're gone. Right. Well, but, well if you don't, you, if you don't want, you know, well, if, you, if you're going to be on the road that much, we can't be together. Goodbye. Goodbye. This is, this, it, my, my, I have had a sense of mission. You were like Lee Strasberg in The Godfather Part Two. Yes. When he says, <laughs> if I come back here. The money's here, here. I'll know I have here. a partner. I'll know <clears throat> I have <laughs> a partner. <clears throat> if it's not, I'll know I don't. I'll know I don't. What, what, he said, I'm going in the other room. That's the last time a really out-of-shape man took his shirt off in a movie, and it wasn't bad. Yeah. Hair yeah. on the top of the shoulders. <laughs> tufts, right? tufts of hair. <laughs> little, 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 like, uh, little tumbleweeds of hair. Yeah. Did you know him? Did you know Lee? When I studied acting at the school on 15th Street, when I went to NYU, I went to Strasburg. They assigned you to the studio you went to, Adler, Strasburg, so forth. I went to Strasburg. And I had wonderful teachers, Marsha Haufrecht and Jeffrey Horn is a wonderful team, beautiful people. But, you know, the method of Strasbourg was very uh, severe. Did it work for you? Was it, um, you like one of those? Well, it opened up your eyes to the idea of whatever word you want to use. I'm, I'm never going to use the right word for everyone. You know, to, to mine your past and mine your emotional fabric to get where you want to go. Whereas Strasbourg and Stanislavski, both people don't necessarily – stumble across this fine print and all these 
writings of theirs where what Stanislavski and Strasberg both said is that the method, so to speak, is something that you apply only if inspiration fails you. Uh, but you, don't, you don't need to go off into a room and twist yourself into some kind of psychological pretzel to do this work if you can just say the words and you're there. You feel connected to right. the character in and of yourself. This do you, is a few do you have a desire as an actor to be one of those guys, one of those – I'm going to take my rib cage and separate it. When I was younger, I did. You did? When I was younger, I did. Did you feel you, did, is there, was there a role where you felt you got close to that? When I did Streetcar Named Desire on Broadway and Amy Madigan, I would scream, Stella, Stella, for her to come downstairs. Right. And Amy would come. And the minute I would touch Amy, I'd burst into tears. Wow. And I remember I didn't, I loved Amy more than any woman I ever loved. You know, at that moment. Right. I mean, and it was real. Right. I, I, I was in love with Amy. Do you think I'm capable of that kind of work? I think you are, oh, but, it would be a but it would be a tremendous mistake on your part. <laughs> it would be a huge, it would be one of the poorest choices probably in show business history for you to go and decide you want to, you know, what do you want to do, a streetcar on so, Broadway? <laughs> um, I was in an acting class where the guy did have me play Brick, but that's Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Because I was able to handle the, the light comedy so easily. He said, you, I, I need to challenge you more. So he had me, then he said, I want you to study the role of Brick. Wasn't that the name of the character in yeah, Streetcar? Brick. Yeah, Brick no, Pollitt. No, in, in Cat and Hutton. In Cat and Hutton, Rubens Yeah, Brick. The, the Newman role. Yeah, Newman. Yeah. Maggie and Brick. Yeah. Well, that's when I left that There's class. a girl, I could, you'll, you'll appreciate this because you're from Long Island, and I met this woman uh, many years later, and even she laughed about it. So I can say this. Uh, you remember Pergamon's Hardware sure, Store? Sure. Long okay, right. I went, to <laughs> I went to college. I went to GW for three years, and I went and I took my last year there, my junior year, before I uh, climbed over the wall there and went to NYU to study acting. I took acting for non-drama majors. <laughs> it was a gut course you take at GW. I took acting for non-drama majors, and everyone in the class, this was one of the things that gave me the, uh, the impetus to be an actor because everyone in the class was so horrible, and, and I, I could, I, I could, I squeaked by. Like, I wasn't that bad. I was okay in terms of performing. And the teacher said to me, I want you to do a scene from Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, a Maggie Brick scene, and your partner is Debbie Pergament, who was the <laughs> daughter, and, and the, I, don't, I don't want to call her the heir to the Pergament fortune, but let's just say that for our comedy purposes. Debbie Pergament. Yeah. And literally, she was this lovely girl, adorable, gorgeous, really cute as the day is long. But she was from, you know, like Roslyn or somewhere. So when she would say, she was the only person who made brick a bisyllabic word. She was like, brick, brick. I am like a cat on a Hudson roof here. I am so upset. Oh, that's so funny. Debbie Pergman was, who, was my partner in a, in a scene study class, and it was, uh, was eye-opening. So was where eye-opening. do we want to go now? Your, your career now... Um, you, you, you're seeing another corridor for yourself is something you want to explore, something you have to offer or be honest with me. Are you just tired and you just don't want to travel and schlep and deal with these idiots? You want to know the truth is I want to be more like you. Really? Because you are a very happy, like I look at you and I say to myself, everything is always like, why aren't you doing what other people do? Right. Meaning Mm -hmm. like the first thing people would say in the business I mean, even outside the business, if they have some savvy about it, was they'd say, did Jerry want to ramp up a production company mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just print TV shows? I mean, mm-hmm, w- mm-hmm. W- how many sitcoms could you have launched oh, with the God. imprimatur of your name Forget on it? Forget it. Forget it. You could have your own channel. Oh, yeah. The Jerry channel. Yeah. But I didn't take that bait. Why? Because I, I know what it is. <laughs> I know what it is. That's why. 
What is you it? can't pull that over on me. What? What, what is it? Because I've sat in all the chairs. I've been in all the rooms. <laughs> I, I know what it is. Look, Alec, you, you've, you've been there, right? Yes. I, you can't trick me into thinking. Thinking what? That's Share good. with the people. Right. That, that's it's, and good. it's not good. Why? Because Don't produce... most of it is not creative work and not reaching an audience. You want to be on the water? How do you want to be on the water? You want to be on a yacht? You want to be on a surfboard? I want to be on a surfboard. I don't want to deal with a yacht. That's a yacht. And you just also Some thought— Some people want a yacht to say, see my yacht. Right. And you just didn't want people— do you, And you also didn't want to ultimately wind up putting your name, as is often the case. Look, in other words, if you're the goose that lays the golden egg, you're the successful person, and it all emanates. You're the godhead, if you will, comedy-wise, and you go launch all these other shows. And all those other shows, they aren't maybe as good. Of course they're not. Right, and right, how much right. of your, your day is spent, well, why doesn't he want to do it? Well, right. how much would we have to no, spend to get Not even for once for you to be in, though, but for once for you just to produce. Whatever it is. Yeah, whatever it is. Like, let me tell you why my TV series in the 90s was so good. Besides an inordinate amount of just pure... Good fortune. In most TV series, 50% of the time is spent working on the show. 50% of the time is spent dealing with personality, political, and uh, hierarchical issues of making something. Mm -hmm. We spent 99% of our time writing, Mm -hmm. me and Larry. The door was closed. Somebody calls. We're not taking the call. We're going to make this seem funny. That's why the show was good. I didn't want to go from that to, um, you know, some some H.G. Wells contraption right. machine, <laughs> you know, of of trying to control the weather. That's what that's what these these deals are. That's what making a movie is. What's a movie? It's this giant machine. It's this giant ship, and everybody gets on it and they shove off, and nobody knows where it's going. Yeah, no, they don't. And the yeah. captain is doing. Where's the captain? Yeah. He's he's getting high and. Yeah. And, 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 you know, yeah. and, and sleeping with the he, first mate. Yeah. And, and, he's his sleep period. Yeah, so it's too much time and energy spent on that is not the juice, the really good stuff is a great line. So, so when you go out— So on, as a stand-up comedian, I can control that. So when you go out on stage now, for, yeah. so for now for you, other than whatever other things you're involved with, uh, writing or uh, uh, comedians in Cars with Coffee and mm-hmm. so forth— you go out on stage, you perform live. How many shows you do, on average, would you say? I'm sure it varies, but you're on the road. How many How many shows a year? Um, maybe 75. So you do 75. So, so you do 75 appearances a year. Yeah. And is it just very simply a case where you walk out there, that exchange of energy between you mm-hmm. and them? Mm-hmm. They want what you've got. You want what they've got. You're at home. You feel comfortable. You're happy. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a um, very fulfilling uh unsolvable puzzle that is endlessly um, it just just goes right to your soul does every night need to be different if you can make it so do you try to make it different uh, there's nothing I can do about that it's going to be different it's going to be different yeah but if I can get them right where I want them and and get myself where I want myself and the thing just explodes well you know it's fun that's life but people who perform live, I'll never forget there was an article like in Esquire magazine or somewhere, and they did an article about Wayne Newton. And they t- it was about Vegas, and, and I think it was about Wayne Newton. And I love this article. And they weren't mean toward him or diminishing him. And they were saying how they, they thought it was uncanny how the guy went to the show in Vegas with a stopwatch. And Newton came out, and, <laughs> and he did the same thing every show, the same exact thing, same yeah. exact beats. Yeah. 
it was just it was just he just cloned one show after the right. and he would come out but he would create the dynamic tension that this show was different right and he'd come out on stage the people would be screaming and the women are throwing their panties and they're throwing their hotel room keys at him his crowd and and then he'd sit there and he'd say um um you know we gotta we, we gotta wrap this up but uh, you know i love you people so much i'm gonna do something i'm gonna sing a song i never sing anymore and it, it's a song he just sang like you know 90 yeah. minutes ago yeah i'm gonna sing a number for you guys i never sing anymore i never we never break this one out anymore yeah and he just recreated the same uh, you know, mock freshness of the mm-hmm, whole thing, mm-hmm. which many performers, I assume, they do that. Yeah, he used to say, "Tell them to lock the doors. They, they, they don't want me to go long, but I, but this audience, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to do something for you I'm, I never do. Yeah, I'm, I'm breaking what, the rules. Yeah, yeah. And of course, he would end right on the button. You performed in Vegas all the time. Right. They, so they throw the hotel room key. How desperate is this entertainer, by the way, to just pick up 15D? And go, I'm heading over there. I'm going over there. Yeah. I'm going over there. Which one of you is 15D? Oh, you? I'm sorry. Let me give you your key back. I'm sorry. I don't want that key. Coming up, more from Jerry Seinfeld. He's got so many years of stand-up under his belt. When he travels, as he does most weekends, every move is planned. It is organized with military precision. There's not an ounce of fat the, on it. I, not an ounce of fat not on it. An ounce of fat on the day. It's three guys, three suits, three garment bags. We're in, we're out, and uh, we have a great time. We work very hard. It's zero dark 30. It is. You're in. <laughs> yeah. Get Bin Laden, go. That's so, right. Yeah. Finger right. the dead body, zip yeah. bag, yeah. body bag, go. It's a beautiful thing. It's a, this is what I was given from the TV series, that I could live like this now. Yeah. On my own terms. That That's what we're looking for. On my own terms. On my own terms. Right? God, I've, 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 that's such a foreign concept to me. Yes. Of like course. The life of an actor is anything but that. anything but. Right. But this is where we're moving now with Alec. God. Yeah. I... I my God. On my own terms. More wisdom from Jerry Seinfeld in a moment. This is Alec Baldwin. Take a listen to our archive. More in-depth conversations with artists, policymakers, and performers like Patti Lapone, Erica Zhang, and Debbie Reynolds. Good morning, good morning. It's great to stay up late. Good morning, good morning to you. What fun, you see. I can't sing to save my life. If you put a gun to my head and said sing, I'd be Well, you almost sang on key. Go to heresthething.org. Here's the Thing is supported by Capital One offering the Venture Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Information about benefits at CapitalOneVentureCard.com.
This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. When Jerry Seinfeld was 10 years old, he started feverishly studying the techniques of stand-up comedians on TV. Devouring it, every, just, like, just like my daughter does now. My daughter has totally got whatever that gene I had. She's got it. She can do any voice, accent, takes, lines. Her brother you, you, said to her this morning, she's wearing glasses, she has glasses. Her brother said to me, he said, are those, are those real glasses? She looked at him, she said, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> That's, she's 12. Yeah. No, they're she's fake already, glasses. Yeah. Re- she I'm knows getting ready she's... to go play Ayn Rand at the local <laughs> library. Yeah, they're fake glasses. <laughs> yeah, wait, schmuck, under a break, schmuck. <laughs> but, um, okay, so my house, um, I assume my, my childhood was, uh, I, my relationship to my parents was, you do what you got to do, I'll do what I got to do, and I'm just living here till I can figure something else out. That was my house. And to me, that was great. We've talked about this, you and I, before. Everybody was very independent. Yes. My father never hugged me, never told me he loved me, never threw me a ball. No problem. I'm no good. Problem. I'm good. I'm good. He's, you're good. I'm, I'm watching good. F Troop. Yes. You go do whatever you got to do. That's right. Me and Larry Storch are yeah. having some time together. Right. Who was the guy who blew the horn in the, in the, when the tower and the tower fell over? Remember at the beginning of each show? I forget what was it. Was it uh, Larry? It was another. Was it Larry. Larry Storch? No, Larry Storch was Agarn. He was Agarn. Uh, there was another. Ken Larry Barry was Captain Ken, Parmenter. Captain Parmenter. I, I, he wasn't really funny, but there was another guy, another Larry, who was at the top of the tower. Remember the tower would fall over. The beginning yeah, he was, of he was that very kind of vanilla looking. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. La- it wasn't Larry Wilcox who went on to do Chips. No, no, it was another Larry. Anyway. But, uh, yeah, I was Abbott and Costello was I really became obsessed with them sure. because of the precision wordplay. They were, see, that's where they went beyond. There was, there was Laurel and Hardy and then Martin and Lewis, but Abbott and Costello had this precision. I mean, who's on first sure. is, is a piece of, it, yeah. it, it, it's like uh, that, that museum in Spain, you know, the, the what, you know. The Prado. The, no, the other one uh, that, uh, what's his name, did? Uh, the Geary did. That, yeah. Right. Whose real name is Goldberg, by the way. <laughs> is it really? Yes, it is. Is it really? He changed it in college. Frank, Ge- Frank yeah. Geary's real name yeah, is? Yeah, the, uh, what's the name of that museum in northern real name Spain? Is Begins Bill with Bilbao. Bilbao, yeah. Anyway, that's what, who's on first is. It's like, what a construction. What a brilliant piece of construction. So, and when I heard things like that, I, um, I just would get very excited that you could, do things like that with words and ideas and attitudes and, and have laughs, you know, have laughs. I remember when I was a kid, my dad would go to work and my brothers and sisters would go to school and my mom was lonely. Mm-hmm. I probably missed school like 30 or 40 days a year. You did? And it was a game. I was totally full of shit. I'd say to my mom, I don't feel good. <coughs> right. And my mom would be like, all right, you get in there and go to the breakfast table. And pretend you're going to school until your father leaves. And then when he's gone, you can go back upstairs. <laughs> and I would go and lie on the couch. 
and they would show the same movie five days in a row. Right. So the housewives who could only catch a piece of it here and a piece of it, so they'd show Inherit the Wind. Right. And I, by Friday, I was laying in bed. I, I missed school for three days. And Friday, Spencer Tracy would say, this man wants to be afforded the same rights as a sponge. He wishes to think. And I, I'd lip sync the words. I knew that I'm like your daughter. Right. I became a complete movie Savant. So that's where it began. And then when we got into the uh, Aaron Spelling years, I abandoned TV. Yeah. I never watched TV again after Right. That. No right. Charlie's Angels. And now that. what do you watch? Uh, now— I come into uh, your house. It's 1045 at night. Everyone's—the wife, kids, uh, baby's asleep. I'm reading. You're reading. I'm reading. On the internet. I read. No, I read, I read a book or I read The New Yorker to get me to sleep. Reading helps me get fall asleep. Right. But when I watch TV— God, when I, NFL, I watch, I make, make appointments for NFL, 60 Minutes, I watch MSNBC, I watch, uh, uh, I, I, I've watched snippets of these shows, uh, you know, like Breaking Bad and these contemporary, uh, you know, these juggernauts. They, they don't hook you. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't, un- I, I don't have time. I, I don't understand either. I, I don't, have time. I don't Where are they finding the time? <laughs> Did you download uh, House of Cards? No. Yeah. yeah. 28 hours is the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Do, what are they doing? What kind? How long are their days? Well, I always would get that. I would always be flattered for a moment. There was always a double beat there when someone would walk up to me with Lauren, mm-hmm. and they'd walk up and they'd say, uh, J- "Lauren would say, oh, you know, uh, Dave here, Dave Swanson from, uh, you know, from uh, Comcast." And I'd go, "Hi, nice to meet you." And he turned to Lauren and go, "God, you guys, I got to tell you, my son broke his leg skiing, and he was in bed. He was in traction, and we watched seasons two and three of Thirty Rock." And I thought I'd smile, and then I thought. Well, that's how you get to watch seasons two and three or three. You got to go out and break your leg <laughs> skiing. You got to go wrap yourself around a tree. Yeah. Then you can lay in bed right. and, and binge view all this. I, I do don't not understand how people are fitting this into their day. So you're not. So there's not even one show that you're. I really love Mad Men because that was my dream growing up on Long Island was to get a Samsonite briefcase, go on the Long Island Railroad. I was going to go in the city and I was going to work at a big ad agency and write funny ads. That was my first dream. That was. Yeah. Because stand-up comedy that I was seeing on the Sullivan Show, that was too far out. That, that was – these are some genius alien people. Exactly. I could I never felt. be yeah. one of those people. I'm, I'm not going to get that Yeah, chance. but maybe I could be a copywriter or, or something in the ad game. I love advertising. I like I – like, I love Manhattan. You remember growing up in Massapequa, Manhattan was, was Oz. It was the Emerald City. I tell people, when we were kids, there was no Bergen County correspondent. <laughs> the Martians could have landed out in, uh, in, 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 in Hempstead. No one cared. <laughs> the, the Martians did land in Hempstead because they knew there were no cameras out there. When you grew up in our generation, it was like, the mayor announced today of the subway today, the cop shot on the IND, the perpetrator yeah. this, the bank robbery this, and it was all Manhattan, Manhattan. The, the garden today, the heavyweight yeah. champ. Everything was Manhattan, not even the other outer boroughs. Right. And when you lived where we lived, that was Saskatchewan yeah. to, to the media. <laughs> Remember Alan just... Burke? Did you ever see Alan Burke? Yes. And uh, they would come up. Uh, they had never correctly <clears throat> estimated the average height of a New Yorker. The podium was always way too high. Mr. Boyke, I just came <laughs> in from Mars where the taxi and limousine commission there. <laughs> they would always bring it right back to some New York issue. What were we saying before? I just lost my train of thought when we were talking about before you said about uh, New York and uh, oh, they, ma- ma- Mad Men. Now, oh yeah, so Mad Men that is my fantasy. And that lasted how long? When did you cross over and decide I could do the other thing? How old um, were you? It was uh, begin- in college, Queens College. What'd you study there? A theater, 
communications, film, all that stuff. I was were you circling. Doing Kevin I, was, roof? <laughs> you were I was circling the field, you know, going, how do I, how could I, I wonder if I could, you know. Did you decide to And then there was Andy Kaufman. Then Andy Kaufman happened. There's this guy in New York who goes up on stage, and he plays the bongos, and starts weeping. He's crazy. Here I come to save the yeah. day. So we all ran in to see Andy Kaufman at the improv. And as soon as I walked in that room and I saw what was going on in there. I got to get in on this. Yeah. I want to be one of these guys. And when you got up there and finally through whatever uh, apprenticeship you had and when you got up there and you did that, was there a moment where like some guy comes up to you? I don't mean to be too Broadway Danny Rose. Yes, this, there was. did some guy walk up to you and go, kid, call me. You know, you got Yes, me. there was. Who and was you know guy? who that guy was? Who? Jackie Mason. No. Jackie Mason. Alec, I was doing comedy about three weeks. Three weeks. And I mean stumbling. Nobody, three weeks. I'm 19 years old, 20 years old, of going up on stage. It wasn't even a stage. It was a restaurant where they take a table out, and they would take one of the lights, the lamp, and they would take the shade off it. That was the show. He was in the audience, 15 people. Right, it was one of these cabaret things, West 44th Street. It was called the Golden Lion Pub. He crooks his finger at me. He says, come over here. <laughs> he takes me over to the bar. He says, you have it. He says, you are going to be so big. He says, it makes me sick to even think of it, of how successful you're going to be. And I was just starting. Wow. And that, I mean, that was, that was it. Because he was a, you know, he was a very big comedian. Still one of my favorites, great comedian. But to have a guy like that come up to you as a kid. That, that, I, had a, I had a similar so that, experience. So that's still, you know, when I talked talk to you about, I went in the improv and I saw all these guys. And I thought, I want to be one of these guys. That's still how I feel. Now, was there a moment when, for me, one of the real pure joys of this business are the people I've gotten to meet. Yeah. And I don't want to, you know, go on and on and on. But were there people who came to you that were like these godlike figures to you, where you just admired them from your world, they came up to you and said, hey, man, they winked at you and said, it could be, it could be Carson across the room. Well, Jack Rollins, who I looked up because I saw your movie, which I loved, uh, Blue Jasmine, and you were great in Kate it. Kate was great. And I see, I, Jack Rollins is in the credits. I look him, he's still alive, he's 98. Yeah. His daughter was a waitress at a comedy club on the Upper East Side. And she brought him in to see me and Larry Miller and Jimmy Brogan. And he watched the three of us. And then he sat and talked with us afterwards. And he was very encouraging, very flattering. That was really big because we were in it about a year at that point. We didn't know there was no business to get into, even if we could do this. It didn't even exist. There was no place to work as a stand-up comic in 1977. It didn't even exist. It happened in the 80s once there were all these guys around. Then these clubs started opening around the country. And what about someone else, someone beyond a 98-year-old man who exists in the credits of a Woody Allen movie? Who was some iconic stand-up figure? Well, I saw Richard Pryor in, in those days. Um, he, he would come into the clubs and we and would say talk. something to you. George Carlin. No, he never said anything to me, but just to meet right, to, those to meet people. You was, know. was there one at some point who, other than Mason, who said, you've got it? Was there no. One, right. No. 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 You, if you don't need that. Any, any okay. self respecting <laughs> professional comedian. You don't need that. You don't need anyone or anything. You are built for brutality. You have this relationship with the audience that is private between you and them. You Critics want to write. 
People want to talk. We we have our own thing that nobody nobody can break that. Once you build that, it can't be broken by outside forces. This is the difference between being a comedian that has his own thing and everybody else in the entertainment field who needs to cooperate. Our thanks to Jerry Seinfeld. Thank you for listening to this week's Summer Staff Pick. Here's the Thing is brought to you by iHeartRadio. We're produced by Kathleen Russo, Zach McNeese, and Maureen Hoban. Our engineer, well, that's me, Frank Imperial. Our social media manager is Danielle Gingrich. Alec Baldwin will be back next week. No one likes to talk about money. Am I saving enough? Can I buy a house? Am I paying too much in taxes? Will I be able to retire? What if you could unlock insights about your finances in less than five minutes with a clear picture of where you stand today and where your money can work harder? Now you can. Visit facet.com to take the free quiz and get your financial wellness score today. That's F-A-C-E-T.com. This ad is sponsored by Facet. Facet Wealth Incorporated is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.